As you probably can tell from our uh, uh, memory verse, we're going to be in John chapter 17 this morning, if you want to turn there. John chapter 17. We have been studying prayer for about the last four weeks, and I wanted to kind of summarize today. And, and I want you to understand, not because we've learned everything there is to know about prayer, <laughs> because this is, that, that's, that's a subject that we will learn and grow in for the rest of our lives. So it's not that we have learned everything that there is to know in prayer, and so we're done. I just wanted to point out some of the elements of prayer from the teachings of Jesus and the prayers of Jesus, and, and we're coming to that point. So we're going to be in John chapter 17. We're actually going to work our way through this entire prayer of John chapter 17. This is often called the high priestly prayer. It is Jesus praying for his disciples, including us, and, and praying for unity and praying as we work our way through, we'll see the elements of this prayer. And we're going to see that it's very much like the prayer he taught in, in, when he taught them the model prayer or the Lord's Prayer, or the disciples' prayer, whatever you prefer to call it, in Matthew 6. So we're going to kind of work our way through John chapter 17, and we're just going to do it kind of a section at a time and talk about it. So let's begin John chapter 17. Verses 1 through 5. Jesus spoke these things, looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you. Since you, have, you gave him authority over all flesh so that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. I have glorified you on the earth by completing the work you have given you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with that glory I had before with you before the world existed. So this first part, this beginning of this prayer, Jesus does what, what he does in the model prayer. He recognizes God for who he is. He begins by recognizing God for who he is and what he's done. Now, I, I said back then, and I'll say again, this is, this is critical because up to this point, nobody had called God Father except Jesus. And then Jesus comes, and he gives us permission to do so and the ability to do so. In John chapter 1, verse 10, it says that all who believe are given the right to be called children of God. So we are given the permission, we are given the ability to be a child of God. And so when we pray, we are praying to the creator and sustainer of everything we know. But we are also praying to a loving father who just wants to hear from us, who just wants to have a conversation with us, who, who actually wants to hang out with you. That's the God that Jesus prays to. That's the God that we pray to. He, he is our loving father. Yes, he is the creator and sustainer of everything we know, but he is also our loving father who wants to have a, a chat with us. That's prayer. And then he talks about eternal life. Now, I think there's two things here. First of all, this is the only place in the New Testament where eternal life is actually defined. And how does Jesus define eternal life? It's in verse 3. This is eternal life. 
that they may know you, the one true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. So, so Jesus describes, defines eternal life as a re relationship with him and God. We have a relationship with this loving God through Jesus, and that's how he defines eternal life. So eternal life is not something that waits till you're dead. It's not something that waits till the end of this world. It's now. Eternal life is now. It has begun. In, in, in faith in Christ, we have begun our eternal life. So our prayer life should have an eternal focus. We should have an eternal perspective on, on our prayer. In that relationship, consider as you pray, consider you're, you're praying to a loving father, but you're praying to, to the father you have a relationship with through Christ. So, so pray in that relationship. Pray eternal perspective. We, uh, we so often pray about the situation at hand. We so often pray about stuff that's going on right now. And that's not wrong, but we must have more of an eternal perspective. We must have, have more than just change the situation, God. We need more than that. Because we are in a relationship with Christ. We're in relationship with God the Father. And, and he wants us to pour out our hearts to him with an eternal perspective. And notice that, that Jesus also prays for the glory of the Father. Now, how often do we pray for our own glory? How often do we pray that God build our kingdom. That's not a, an eternal perspective prayer. We need to pray for his kingdom and his glory, not ours. So we see that in the prayer of Jesus. So let's move on. We'll pick up in verse 9. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but, but for those you have given me because they are yours. Everything I have is yours, and everything you have is mine, and I am glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I was protecting them by your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them is lost except the son of destruction so that the scripture may be fulfilled. So Jesus prays for unity here. He prays for unity among his disciples. And, and notice that he says that that unity will glorify him. You know, unity is hard to keep. It's hard to attain, and it's even harder to maintain. I told you this story some, some uh, weeks back or months back. I told you the story about a, a church on the East Coast that was over 100 years old, and they split over the piano bench. There was a group of the church that wanted to replace the piano bench because it was getting pretty old. And there was a, an, another section of the church that said, no, that's the piano bench we've always had. And so the church literally split over a piano bench. Does that bring glory to God? I think not. Unity brings glory to God. And, and you know, in our world where everything is, is device, divisive, everything is segregated and, and tribalism, and in the world we live in today, 
Unity makes us stand out. Unity is something that glorifies God because it's not in our society anywhere. It is in strictly in Christ. The unity that we have in Christ stands out in this world because, because it's so different. And it brings Him glory. So we must, in our prayers, not, not be worried about our likes and our dislikes and our preferences, like piano benches. We need to be about the will of God. We need to be about the unity that brings glory to God. We pray God's will, not our own will. Now, I've said that again and again and again through this, this uh, study, but when we pray God's will, we're unified. When we pray our own likes and dislikes and preferences, we split. That's just how it works. So we pray God's will so that our unity brings him glory. Let's move on, uh, starting in verse 14. I have given them your word. The world hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I am not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. I sanctify myself for them so that they may be sanctified by the truth. So Jesus talks about the truth here. He prays for the truth. He prays that the, the truth will protect and guide his disciples. We pray biblical truth. Does, we don't pray for things that we know God doesn't want. We don't pray for things that we know God is against. We pray for, pray for his biblical truth because that truth sanctifies us, makes us holy, grows us, and it protects us. Now, we have, we have seen in this study, uh, as we've worked our way through, that, that prayer, our prayer life is not separate from the rest of our life, that they are integrated. Our prayer life is literally a conversation with God ongoing all day, every day. And, and so how we live matters as well. Because if we are living like the world and praying God's truth, it isn't going to match up. We're not going to know God's truth. We need to live God's truth and pray God's truth. There are so many biblical uh, examples of prayer and so many, uh, so many promises that God has made us in prayer. Pray those. Pray those promises for yourself. Pray those promises. Pray the truth of God and live the truth of God. And Jesus also says at the end of this section, he says that we are sent into the world just as he was sent into the world. I have I've said this many times from this platform, but I'm going to say it again. You are the missionary God has chosen and trained for your workplace, your neighborhood, your school, where you shop, where you work. You're the, the, the missionary God's chosen. You are chosen and trained and, and, and given the abilities, given the skills, given the experiences to know exactly how to, how to spread the gospel in the places you go. You're the one chosen. 
Now, I don't take anything away from missionaries going all over the world. But as has been said many times, how many, how many mission fields do we fly over on the way to the mission field? We fly over this mission field. We fly over our community. That's our mission field. You are the chosen mis missionary for this community. He has given you everything you need to be his missionary in this place. And then Jesus prays for us, starting in verse 20 of chapter 17. I pray not only for these, but all for, also for those who believe in me through their word. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may, be, may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me so that they may be made completely one so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you've loved me. Father, I want those who you have given me to be with me where I am so that they may will see my glory which you have given me because you loved me before the world's foundation. Righteous Father, the world has not known you. However, I have known you, and they have made, and they have known that you sent me. I made your name known to them and will continue to make it known so that the love you have loved me with will be in them and I may be in them. So Jesus prays for his disciples here. And verse 20 points directly at us, you and I. I said last week when we looked at, at, at the Peter, or, or two weeks ago when we looked at the, the prayer of Jesus for Peter, that it's, it's comforting to know that Jesus is interceding on your behalf. Here's proof. Here he is doing it right here. You and I are the people that have not physically seen Jesus or verbally heard Jesus, but believe anyway. We, we have not walked the dust of Jerusalem with Jesus, but Jesus has walked the dust of Arizona with us. He has walked through our lives with us. So we know him. We, we know his voice through his word. We, so as he's praying here, he's praying for you and I, that you and I would maintain this relationship, that you and I would maintain this unity, Oh, excuse me. That, wow, that was loud. We maintain this unity, not only with each other, but with the disciples that we read. As we read the scripture, we read the disciples that have gone before, the disciples that were standing with Jesus when he prayed this prayer. So we are united with them. We are united with, with Christians around the world. We are united in this, in this brother and sisterhood family of those who believe in Christ. Jesus prays for us to have that unity. So to, to summarize, I guess, if we can do that, again, I'll say this isn't everything we could know about prayer. It's not even everything we could know about prayer from this piece of scripture, from from. Jesus' prayer here. But the elements that we keep seeing in, in all of our study are all here. 
we, we begin by praying, knowing God as our Father. It's an important thing because this is the creator and sustainer of the universe, and yet he's our loving Father. He loves you so much, he wants to hear from you. He wants you to talk to him. He wants to spend a little time hanging out. That's the God that we pray to. So we pray recognizing who he is, recognizing what he's done. He is the creator and sustainer, but he is also our loving father. And then we pray his will, not our will, be done. This might be the toughest one for us because we know exactly what we want and when we want it by. And we tell God, I need this done by this day. We, tell, we pray that way. How about we pray God's will be done? Even for when you're praying for others, pray God's will in their life. Remember what, what Jesus prayed for Peter, that his faith would not fail. He didn't pray that the trial wouldn't come. He prayed that his faith wouldn't fail in the trial. So may his faith so pray that his faith not fail, her faith not fail in the midst of the trial. Pray his will, not your own will. His kingdom, not your own kingdom. And pray with a, an eternal perspective. It's really easy to get caught up in what's going on right now. But there is much greater than what's going on right now. And so we pray with an eternal perspective. We pray to a God who loves us, who is our Father. We pray to Christ, who is our brother, who gives us the ability to, to, to pray to God, our Father, gives us the ability to call God Father. We pray, we pray an eternal perspective on what's going on in our world. On what, and when we're praying for others, we pray for an eternal perspective for them. We pray His will, His plan, His purpose. Not our will, our plan, and our purpose. And we pray biblical truth. And I'll add to that, we must live biblical truth as well. Because prayer is a, a, just a natural outcropping of our life as a Christian. And so we, we live biblical truth. We pray biblical truth. Pray the promises that God has for us. Pray the promises that God has for people you're praying for. Pray that their faith not fail. I, I'll say again, this is, uh, this is not all we could know about prayer. But I think we've seen the elements over and over again in the last four weeks that have showed us prayer, first of all, is not hard. It's not difficult. It's a conversation with the God who loves you. But we do have the wrong perspective sometimes. We pray so often that God changed the situation rather than changing us in it. That, that God take away the trial rather than strengthening, strengthening us for it. We pray with the wrong perspective. This is the perspective. Jesus prays for us, and he prays for his disciples these things. What's your prayer request today? We have, uh, 
we have seen God work. We've seen miracle after miracle after miracle. We have seen prayer request after prayer request fulfilled, answered by our God. Can we take a moment and just thank him for that? Let's bow our heads. Just take a moment and thank God for the, for the answered prayer that you've seen just in the course of the last month. Father, we thank you for this year. We thank you that we can come to you with everything. That you are a loving Father who desires to hear from us. And we thank you, Father, because you have blessed us beyond measure. We get caught up in the stuff of life. We get caught up in the right now and miss the eternal perspective. Keep us mindful of this prayer of Jesus. Keep us mindful of the eternal perspective. Increase our faith for the trials ahead. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.